You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing Season 3 Simulators. You have 17 new messages. Saturday, the 26th of November at 3:17 p.m. Pippinva for David Walensky. Hey David. Uh well, if you can believe it, this is the last game of the season, and I have chosen for us the game Game Dev Story, which was developed and published by Kairosoft, uh, which is a Japanese game studio based in Tokyo. And it was actually originally released for Windows in Japanese um, in 1997, so this is not not a new game, but... I remember it for when it came out for um, iOS and the iPhone in 2010, and that's when I played it. I think I <laughs> I played it in uh, around that 2010-2011 period, so I really think of it as a, a mobile game, but it is available for the PC, uh, PlayStation 4, and Switch as well. And in essence, it is a game studio simulator, so... You're a game studio, you make games and release them and reap the benefits, maybe. And it's presented in this very light-hearted, uh, cartoony uh, manner, so it's not a serious um, simulation. And for that reason, I think I'm kind of interested in, I guess, what that buys you. We saw a little bit of this in Princess Maker Refine as well, I guess, having a, a sort of aesthetic approach that pulls away from the idea of hardcore simulation a little bit. Um, and in the game, you're playing through a sort of parallel history of games, so consoles are coming out that mirror uh, things like the Game Boy or the Super Nintendo. Um, bear in mind, this game was originally from 1997. And you, like I said, you're creating games for the different platforms as they come out and trying to be successful and uh, stay open. So as always, like I'm, I suppose I'm most interested in the question of how the surface and underlying systems and models of the game reflect specific values and views of game development and and gameplay, for that matter. What kind of world uh, is it suggesting through the through the models that it it uh, lets us interact with? Um, and I guess this time around. I'm also interested because I've been developing my own games for the last uh, decade, and I'm wondering how its representation of what it means to make a game uh, relates to my own experience. Not that I'm a game studio. <laughs> uh, far from it. Um, I, so I haven't played it since the early 2010s, as I said, but my memory of it is, is a really positive one, that it was sort of cheerful and compelling, and I, and I liked it. So let's, uh, let's jump into game dev story. Uh, and you can finally find out what game development is really like. Cha-ching. Saturday, the 26th of November, at 7.52 p.m. <clears throat> hey, this is uh, David Walensky, returning for Pippin Bar. So uh, I'm pleasantly surprised and tickled and uh, sort of nodding my head in the brilliance of picking Game Dev Story as the, uh, I guess in hindsight, sort of inevitable place we'd wind up uh, in playing and discussing Game Dev Story because, uh, like yourself, I actually have played Game Dev Story um, in a former life. Uh, I actually reviewed it uh, 12 years ago, 
And actually, 12 years ago, and like a couple of weeks, so this was a review that ran uh, November 10th, 2010. And I thought, um, you know, I can certainly rehash my memories of it. I think the review probably does a decent job. I'm not sure what I'll stand behind today. Uh, but I think it sort of speaks for itself. And when we get back to playing it, it'll sort of reactivate, you know, different sense memories. And I'm sure I'll have a different perspective on it. Um, you know, through this particular lens of uh, simulators. So uh, I just thought I'd read this to you, and uh, we'll get into deeper things later. Uh, not that this review isn't deep, but I don't know because I actually haven't read it. I'll be <laughs> you'll be hearing it here for the first time alongside me. So okay, enough suspense, enough drum roll. Uh, so Game Dev Story almost plays like an eye-opening cautionary tale intended for oblivious or callous game critics. Wow. It's a business sim that lets you run your own game company for roughly two decades from the heady days of PC gaming up through the console-dominated modern era, all in adorable, tongue-in-cheek fashion. The end goal is to maximize profits, and although you know what happens to the thinly disguised systems after they launch, the Wii here is called the Whoops. You can also alter the future by creating your own system. <clears throat> it all depends how cutthroat and or experimental you want to be with your staffing and output. Thanks to a wide variety of jobs, title types, and genres, are you willing to ditch that enterprising young coder you started with once a ridiculously talented one inquires about a job based on your company's success? Will you be a slave to trends and pump out whatever's popular at the moment, or will you color outside the lines and try to try your hand at a swimming detective or racing spy game? It's entirely up to you, and like the real-world industry, you'll likely shake your head at... <laughs> dismissive reviews of your games where the arbitrary grade doesn't seem at all in line with the snippet of text. Really, the only thing missing is a series of mini-games that lets you try the crazy fake games you make. So, uh, I don't know what I would really add to that, but uh, I guess we will be adding to it. So, I'll see you on the other side. Let's get into the story behind Game Dev Story. Talk to you, Pippin. Monday, the 28th of November, at... 11.12 a.m. Morning, David. Guess you're out. Um, funny that you reviewed this game all those years ago. Uh, you omitted to mention that you gave it an A. Uh, perhaps that was an A for a hell of a lot of decisions to make in this game. Um, now that I'm playing it again, whoa, I had forgotten how decision-rich the game is. And... In the interests of just setting the scene lightly, uh, it has this basic cycle that, of course, revolves around developing a game. So there's hiring stuff, um, so you can hire staff members, you can train them, you can level them up, and those people are there to develop a game. Developing a game involves a staged process of writing a proposal, doing the graphics, doing the sound, and debugging. For all of those major tasks, you can have somebody uh, in-house from your studio, or you can hire a contract worker. And there's a bunch of generic work that everybody's doing uh, along the whole development of the game that contributes to its statistics. And you can advertise your game as well, uh, in the hopes of reaching more eyeballs. And after you've finished your game, there is the hoping for success portion, <laughs> where you get reviews from the critics, which are extremely hurtful. You watch your sales numbers uh, trend downwards, 
and you watch your fan base very slowly expand and you hope to win a major award. That's the nutshell, but all of those things have got a ton of numbers and potential statistics that can change, that can, of course, be better than the ones that you have are. And I think we should, of course, be drilling down into some of the specific categories that have numbers pinned onto them because it tells us so much about how the game views game development. Uh, but for now, I just wanted to note a couple of details that I might lose otherwise, uh, which are things that are outside the simulation boundary, I guess, or outside the model uh, in terms of numbers. And one of those things is how cozy the little office is at the start. Uh, it's a little uh, isometric view of these people coming into these cozy little cubicles, and they say good morning to each other, and then they say, I'm going to do some work, and they sit down and start working. And it's very humanizing on top of you know, what is inevitably a bunch of math and numbers colliding with one another um, and getting spat back out the other end. The office environment itself always makes me feel very cozy. I actually also really love that the avatar representing us is just sitting there with a completely clean desk, smiling and doing nothing. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and the other thing I really enjoy about the game is the power of naming, that you get to name your studio, you get to name the games. And as far as I can tell, it has absolutely no importance in terms of, again, the underlying simulation, but it's such a pleasure. Uh, I named my studio ServeSoft. Get it? Uh, what did you call your studio, David? What are you working with? Monday, the 28th of November, at 3.44 p.m. Hey, PB, it's D-Dubs. Um, full disclosure, I have not yet had time to dive back in to Game Dev Story, but I remember it very fondly, and I will be playing it soon. There were um, a couple questions and things I wanted to mention and ask out of the gate that I want to make sure we get discussed, and I think, well, I know you, far more than me, are better equipped and have the experience to discuss it, so... Uh, when we started the season, you know, I expressed an interest in sims that recreate real-life experiences or things one could realistically do. And so, uh, does Game Dev Story make you feel seen? Does this remind you of reasons why you chose not to enter the video game industry writ large? Is there anything here that, however remotely speaks to or rhymes with your experience. Uh, I'm very curious to know, uh, I mean, just in general, but your selecting this reminded me how uh, there was Game Dev Tycoon. There are a lot of other games where this was sort of a genre, uh, and I think <laughs> even Wikipedia, your friend and mine, Monkey Island's Ron Gilbert, uh, apparently told Wired, about a decade ago, he was addicted to uh, Game Dev Story. And uh, I guess I just wonder, I mean, whether we like it or not, sort of immaterial. <sighs> but what is it about video games where we think, you know, a great deal of experience, uh, I don't want to say consuming, but spending time with, investing time with, sort of having them input into our human systems, makes us think, hey, I could do that. Um, do you think this is more of a thing with video games than with any of the other things we played? I.e., 
we didn't pick Flight Simulator. I came close to picking games like it, but I would never imagine... <laughs> I would assume at the end of it, I would only be like, okay, well, maybe I'll go to flight school. I would never presume to have any sort of level of knowledge. Um, so with Game Dev Story, you as a game dev, I mean, is what's going on here, does it have any bearing in reality to you? I didn't realize until you said that this came from 1997, and I guess it was updated, but I mean, is this just sort of, does it seem current? Does it feel fresh? Does it seem like weak sauce? Does this sing to you today? And if not, maybe I'll sing to you later. So I don't have um, a studio name I can speak to. It's going to be Game Thing Games. You and I are going to be in my game. You're going to love it, bro. And I didn't mention the letter grade um, for my review because I never put letter grades on my reviews, uh, which is a whole other thing to get into that's maybe relevant. Yeah, I always let my editors pick. So they gave it an A, and I agree with it, but I prefer the <laughs> longer description, as always, eh? All right, man, bye. Tuesday, the 29th of November, at 11.55 a.m. Hey, Walensky. Do I feel seen by Game Dev Story? No, not really. It uh, doesn't bear much resemblance to my experience of making games. Uh, but probably bears some resemblance to how I imagine industrial-scale game development playing out and feeling, maybe? That Ron Gilbert quote uh, on being addicted to the game is really striking because it gets at how much the game is like a slot machine or a casino. Uh, I'm thinking especially of the way that it animates the little icons of game components like graphics or um, gameplay or sound, etc., kind of flowing into the game in these columns of symbols. It looks a lot like a slot machine in that moment, and it's one of the most compelling experiences to watch like a big, <laughs> a big supply of trumpets go flowing into the game, uh, telling you that it's, its music and sound effects are getting better. And that extends outward, I guess, to everything. The game, like a casino, I guess, attaches money and other kinds of numbers to absolutely everything in this terrible way, really. So, uh, for example, you have the option of sending an employee out to take a walk, <laughs> um, and it costs $30,000 and also increases their writing and graphics abilities at the expense of reducing uh, their power meter. And you, like, in, in all of that, that constellation of different you know, quantifications, there's just this weird vision of life, but also this very familiar vision of life under, I guess, you know, capitalism, most obviously, um, and, and yeah, Protestant work ethic, all of these sorts of ideas about working hard and knowing how much you've worked, the quantified self as well. And despite all of that, but despite how kind of dystopian that sounds, the $30,000 walk, the game is so cozy and the little office is so sweet, and the little people are lovable, and the little consoles that get released are fun. The game spends a lot of narrative and surface effort in getting you not to take things too seriously, right? And the wordplay is this great example, right? There's employees you can hire called D. Coder or Mozart, who is a musician, and it filters through into how you input names yourself, right? I think I'm, I made an educational game about animals and I couldn't resist calling it Wolf Quest. 
<laughs> uh, shouldn't laugh. Um, and so there's all of that. It's cozy, it's wonderful, and yet it's a corporate hellscape. Uh, it's a kind of game studio casino hybrid. And, you know, what's it saying? So sing to me, O oh David, a song of game dev story. Tuesday, the 29th of November, at 2.36 p.m. Hey, Pippin, I hope just uh, reading the lyric sheet will suffice, because my cough refuses to go away, and uh, I don't want to cough in your ear. So, what is Game Dev Story telling me, David Walensky? Well, it's telling me I've spent about an hour playing it, and I haven't played it in like 10 years, and it's like no time has passed, and I, uh, it's like picking right back up, and, uh, what it was saying to Ron Gilbert, although I don't want to fixate on his quote or make too much about it, uh, he, he said that, uh, really this is a game about trade-offs, um, as far as, like, how are you going to invest your time or your resources, so I wonder if, uh, not to make too much of a leap, <laughs> I don't even know that I want to get into it, but the thought occurs to me hearing you talking about how sunny and bright it is, is game dev story propaganda? Because uh, there's obviously a lot of ugliness under all the bright colors and cute characters. and uh, I mean, I could tell you there's a lot of ugliness, too, because, um, well... It, it didn't take long for me, within about 50 minutes of play, to have the ugly capitalist at my heart awoken, where I started to notice my employees were coming and going as they pleased. Um, the way that time flows in the game, I noticed sometimes it takes them a day, two days, three days to go from their desk to my avatar's desk and say, hey... Uh, I'm thinking of increasing the creativity in this game. It'll cost $50,000. Should we do it? Uh, and so I'm like, I'm wondering, shouldn't they be at their desk working? <laughs> Could I come to them? Or also noticing like it takes people a couple of days to walk in and out of the building. Uh, and I started to wonder, well, can I put their desks right by the door so the time isn't wasted and I can get this very important uh, animal table game made. I should have written down the names of these games. I uh, will do that next time. But I made about three games and I'm now developing for the facsimile of the Sega Genesis. Um, <clears throat> the other thing that I walk away from thinking is uh, it's interesting to see creativity quantified by a few icons and that all it takes to be creative is brute force and sitting at your desk. Whereas uh, I find I do a lot of my best work walking away from my work and uh, when I sit down to write something, I think feel like I 90% know what I'm going to do. So I don't know. What am I going to do about Game Dev Story? What are you going to do? What are we as a nation, as a people, going to do about Game Dev Story? I await your reply. Bye. Wednesday, the 30th of November, at 10.39 a.m. Hey, you. It's me, Pippin Bar, calling you David Walensky. Uh-huh. The game that we are playing called Game Dev Story. Um, I mean, it definitely feels like a cautionary reminder of <laughs> real life uh, because 
Uh, like other stat-building numbers games, and you know, we played Princess Maker Refined comparatively recently, which is a pretty similar game. Um, but in that game and in this game, the emphasis is almost always on what could happen um, in the future. Like, that the fun stats could be better, uh, or Decoder could be a better artist, or... You know, we could have more fans, we could have more sales, we could get more awards, etc. And when you occasionally get those things, like the stat goes up or you get the award, it's super easy, uh, it almost feels mandated, uh, to just rush forwards and move on to the next thing. Because once you've accomplished something, it's kind of worthless. Uh, its value was in the pursuit and not in the getting, and I guess, you know, hugely because this is a simulation and when you get these things, <laughs> they're not real and they don't do anything and you kind of don't feel anything uh, because of that, because they, they're just signifiers, empty signifiers. Uh, and the game kind of emphasizes that as well. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if it's on purpose, but it's sort of very fitting uh, that, that all of these things are, are effectively meaningless once you attain them. Like, there's a dialogue box that says, yay, um, you got some more sales, and then you close the dialogue box and it's gone forever. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, you, you start the next game, you start cl climbing the next mountain. Um, so it, it's a cautionary reminder, right, of what it feels like to live, uh, you know, under capitalism, right? Like, it's what life feels like a lot of the time, working life, is your you know, working hard towards this thing, you get the thing done, you know, you write the article, you make the game, you ship it, and rather than spend any time registering how that feels or celebrating it or finding ways for it to have significance, it's very easy, uh, and again, maybe almost mandated that you just start the next thing. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's how it makes me feel. Um, how does it make you feel, late-stage capitalism, David? Do you see yourself in the game at all? Wednesday, the 30th of November, at 3.19pm. D. Walensky. My middle name is Jonathan. Returning. So, how does it make me feel? Um, it's complicated, and I think, like... You know, I don't play games on my phone anymore, and I'm probably missing out on a ton of really cool, interesting things, and... <clears throat> If we pick something for a game thing that's on mobile, like I'll happily find a way to play it. Uh, you know, I stopped playing games on my phone, although I played them when I had to for work um, for that review. Which, by the way, it's amazing. Something that old I wrote is still online. Uh, because in the larger theme of we are all just dust in the wind that you mentioned... Um, I mean, I guess this is the case for games, too, right? Like, things... Uh, systems become obsolete. It gets. I can't say how much of my Steam library since we've started game thing I come across, and like even if it's supposed to work on Mac, it just refuses to work on Mac. Um, <clears throat> and so it gets to all these questions of like, man, all this work we're doing, what is it for? And so many of the websites I wrote for, like they're either gone or there's like been various, uh, as you said, capitalist uh, machinations at play where just you know, this stuff is gone. So how does it make me feel? It, uh, game Dev Story doesn't so much make me... Th well, does it make... It, it's, yeah, it's complicated, I guess, as you're hearing in my uh, 
trying to put it concisely, but it kind of reminds me playing it like it's sort of creepy. There's this sort of like surveillance aspect to it of just you're in the corner watching your uh, employees grind and grind and grind away to chase these things. They will never achieve. Uh, I mean, you know, they're there to do the job, and I don't, at least so far in playing, I haven't come across someone quitting of their own volition. Um, and there's probably like a nuanced satire at play here. Like I noticed uh, when you hire a producer, they have all these gold bars in the corner of their uh, little uh, dialogue screen explaining about the character. Um, and the producer I hired just she's unable to do anything and seems to only add bugs. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I mean, I guess the feeling, if I hadn't said, it just it makes me think of just like when you eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. And you could do it, especially as you get older. And actually, there's a lot about this game that is about getting older, and you watch your fan base get older. I don't know. I mean, is this... <laughs> is, this is Game Dev Story, is this story of futility? Uh, you know, is there cynicism here? Is it just provided without comment? Or... Uh, I don't know. Why is it so complicated? Because it looks so straightforward and simple and cotton candy colorful, right? So what's the deal? That's what remember Jerry Seinfeld's bit on Game Dev Story. Let me know. Wednesday, the 30th of November at 7.22 p.m. Wednesday, the 30th of November, at 9.22 p.m. Hey David, it's Pippin. Uh, Pippin of the evening. I, I think it is really important, actually, to, to think about this as a mobile game. It's funny because it was originally released as a PC game, and it, but it feels like it really found its home on mobile. Uh, it feels very... It feels like a very good fit for a mobile device um, because of the nature of play. But the thing that you said that really struck home for me was <laughs> was about the game kind of feeling related to eating a whole sleeve of Oreos. Um, and you didn't really finish that thought, but it, uh, it it struck home for me. And it made me think about how I think for me the game is, is strangely about feeling disappointed all the time. Like it has a kind of negative affect when... When I play it, I, sh I won't say you and I won't generalize, but it seems to be, and I've t I talked about this in my last message, right, that you're kind of always, always chasing something else, and when you get it, you kind of stop being interested in it, but that most of the time you're feeling disappointed in your current situation. And I connected that to you know, work under capitalism, but it's also really uh, kind of consumer society stuff, right? Like... Advertising is about making us dissatisfied with our present circumstances uh, so that we want to buy more stuff. And the game is kind of about all of these numbers that make us dissatisfied with our current team, with our current game, uh, so that we want to spend money uh, to do better next time. And I just find it really interesting because the game is so compelling. Like, I've been, I've been playing it a lot, and yet so much of the time I'm feeling either ambivalent or outright disappointed in the way that things are going, but maintaining this hope that things will get better if I just uh, if I just improve my play. And that kind of takes me back to the casino, because I, I feel like that's one way of 
experiencing slot machines, or certainly it's been my experience, which is just like it's really it's really boring and it's really disappointing all the time. And then there's these blips of high energy uh, that I guess are the thing that keep you going. But in a way, it's the disappointment that keeps you going. It's it's strangely satisfying. <laughs> it's strangely satisfying to just be disappointed. It's this powerful emotion that I that I don't think I was uh, so aware of uh, before we started talking about this game. And it makes me think, actually, of all kinds of things, but one thing it makes me think of that I've never thought about is uh, the the idea of flow is uh, very popular in video game circles. It's the idea that you're trying to balance between boredom and anxiety to have this perfect channel of experience for players so that they're in a, a flow state. And I'd always assumed that that would involve a positive effect, like that you'd be happy in the flow state, and I like this game makes me <laughs> makes me realize that I suppose you can just be like other kinds of emotions can be flow emotions like being like really disappointed in everything uh, all the time and keeping going in that disappointment. Thursday, the first of December at twelve twenty six a.m. Hey Pippin, uh, I just thought I'd try you again before bed. This is. Uh quite the game of uh, phone tag we have going on here. Um, <clears throat> so you got into a lot of interesting stuff that I want to speak to, but I said a couple times ago that I wanted to mention the games that uh, I was making in Game Dev Story. So I actually just released my 10th title uh, as <laughs> Game Thing Studios in Game Dev Story. And just to make things extra meta and weird. Uh, my studio really excels at simulators. It seems to be the thing we're the best at doing, and it seems to be the one that we're the best at selling. And uh, just released our 10th game. It's a romance sim called We Love You. And our previous title, which was a uh, <laughs> historical simulator called Lincoln's Wallet for the Game Kid, uh, sold 516,000 units, and We Love You just came out, so I'll have to report back on how that does. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, this is not the first time we've talked about simulators sort of getting to this headspace where it either bums you out or it bums me out, and I don't want to cannibalize our, our wrap-up episode we'll be doing after this sort of zooming out, but... You know, to finish the thought on the Oreos, the rest of the thought is, of course, that uh, you know you can eat a whole sleeve of Oreos as an adult, but it's obviously not a smart choice, <laughs> and you wind up feeling quite bad overdosing on this thing that um, <clears throat> is meant to feel quite good. And I don't want to be too self-referential. There was another uh, article I wrote <laughs> in 2014 about Titanfall, and uh, this whole thing with loop or uh, flow, this loop, this uh, loop flow in games, uh, how you can sort of overdose on fun, and how you can sort of overdose on, like, it just it gets tiring um, being stuck in these loops in games um, that are meant to be fun and rewarding, but actually sort of, you know, eventually you just sort of want to eat a salad after you've eaten so much Oreos. So... Um, <clears throat> I've done a lot of digging into Game Dev Story and sort of like, where did it come from? And a lot of it is just lost in language barrier and across time and just how hard it is to look up things on the internet from 1990s. And I wonder if, you know, 
what we're saying is maybe this is a metaphor for life. Um, not in the life is a game way, but in the boy, I hope it turns out better next time way. Sort of knowing we're, you know, we're in for some pain in life. Because I just, I was just was thinking about you were saying about like, boy, you know, hoping it's going to do better next time. It'll sell better. And I was just wondering, like, is that really what each cycle of game release is? Is we're hoping to do better next time? Uh, or is there something else? Thursday. The 1st of December at 3.45 p.m. Hey, David. Uh, is the game a metaphor for life? I was actually thinking uh, very much along those lines just yesterday. Uh, maybe it's a metaphor for a life lived on automatic. Um, you know, it's so propulsive and moorish, but in any given moment, I <laughs> like I said, I don't feel happy or like I'm having fun at something else. And life is like that, uh, too, a lot of the time, you know? <laughs> uh, maybe that's too depressing. Uh, but I liked, I liked the way that you framed it uh, more in terms of being hopeful in the moment rather than being disappointed in the moment, which was my dour uh, assessment. Uh, it makes me think a little bit of um, the core idea of Buddhism that all of our problems uh, stem from from craving and wanting things to be different from the way they are. Uh, and hope is a form of that, like a positive form of that. And disappointment is kind of also a form of that in the negative. Uh, and so I kind of wonder, I wonder about the, the way that this game is a simulation and the way that it chooses to surface all of its numbers rather than you know, all games are numbers, right? Most games transform those numbers through some kind of metaphor into a virtual world. This game does that a bit, but it also just gives you the numbers to interpret yourself. And because it's so numbersy, maybe that's part of why it's harder to find joy in the momentary stuff, but also why it's able to tap into this aspect of human psychology and to feel so much, so much like real life, despite its cartooniness. Um, I ran an experiment where I just stayed with a single dialogue box about a game that made it into the Hall of Fame called Sumo Thing. And there's this guy bouncing up and down in the background. And the more I watched him, the happier I felt. Um, so that was beautiful. Tag, you're it. Thursday, the 1st of December at 4.11 p.m. <laughs> hey, Pittman, it's David. Um... I think this is the first time I've ever been accused of being hopeful, but I think I am, deep down. And I thought about it, what you said, uh, quite intentionally. I was trying to paint it in more hopeful tones. But I think it's, I think it's, uh, my voice just cracked. I think it's, I think it's worth saying the reason we're painting it in these tones and the way we feel is because this is not really a game about video games. This is an economic strategy game which I don't think we've been saying so far. And I think it needs to be said. And <clears throat> I can't really prove it. I do feel that like this is intended to be a parody of sorts, but I don't know if it's really a parody of games. It seems to be, less so than the industry at large, a parody of certain individuals and their beliefs about games. But it's interesting, and also maybe... 
<laughs> depressing. So tag, you're it. Maybe you can paint this in a more hopeful way. Uh, you know, I think I think this came out in 1997, as you said. I think this was like the second game that Carosoft put out. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think their first game was about a used bookstore. And this just seems to be a model that works for them. I think if you could trust Wikipedia, they've put out something like 62 games since 1996. And as I understand it, many of them play very similar to each other. I saw people talking about how Game Dev Story plays very similar to the used bookstore game. So uh, if I could circle back, now that I've interrupted my own point three, four times here, uh, if this is a parody of a certain sort of mindset about people into video games <laughs> that came out in 1997... I mean, is there some deeper truth we can extract from here uh, on on what it's poking fun at? Or is it not poking fun? And the fun must be found in the dialogue boxes, as you've done. Let me know. Friday, the 2nd of December, at 6.30 a.m. Friday, the 2nd of December, at 10.46 a.m. Hey, David, it's Pippin calling you back uh, on my telephone. It's a very broken iPhone 8, in case you've been wondering what you've been hearing me through all of these, uh, all of these messages. Is the game a parody? Um, in my sort of classic anxiety about not really knowing what words mean, I looked this up. Uh, the Internet says it is deliberate exaggeration for comic effect. That seems pretty fair. The game is definitely loves exaggerating and you know doing wordplay around video game uh, topics. There's even a console uh, late in the game called the Game Toilet, <laughs> uh, which is you know that's funny. I just laughed. Uh, so is it parody? Probably. Is it a satire though? Which I think maybe is uh, the more appropriate word for what we've been talking about here. Uh, definition, uh, the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices. Um, maybe again, yeah, I think this might be the question, right? That it's like a critique of the overemphasis on, I don't know, metrics and key performance indicators and, of course, money uh, and ratings on Metacritic. Uh, that are such an important part, I take it, uh, in the video game industry? Is it kind of pointing out how futile it is to be obsessed with these things somehow? Um, I don't know. I don't get that sense from the game. I do get the sense that it's trying to be silly about those things. I don't know if it's critiquing them or if it's just comfortable uh, representing that system because uh, it doesn't present an alternative uh, and it doesn't present these things as being uh, problematic in any way. Um, you know, you can't you can't do anything really in the game except try to be successful according to the classic economic model of making lots of money. Uh, you could, I guess, you can sort of try and think of yourself as an avant-garde studio, but the game won't recognize it. It'll just say that you your games are not very popular and they get bad ratings and, and you don't have any fans, which is the experience, I suppose, but it doesn't enrich it with any of the things that an avant-garde video game maker might be looking for, right? Um, and I think it also has that kind of classic issue then uh, with satirical media, which is how do you represent something that you're trying to satirize without being that thing? Like, how do you represent a, a dystopian 
ultra-rational economic model without just being exactly that and therefore not really criticizing it? Uh, that's a tough question. Uh, and, you know, what does it say about us that despite all of this, like despite me becoming more and more convinced that I think that this is a really <laughs> depressing recreation of the reality of rational economics and consumer society, why do I keep playing it? Why do I enjoy it so much? Uh, why do I seek out this kind of inescapable grind that I feel like I'm never going to win? Uh, why do we like video games, David? Friday, the 2nd of December at 11.22 a.m. Oh, you really sucker punched me there at the end. This is David, by the way. So uh, I'm very tempted to just give a tongue-in-cheek, silly, flippant answer to why do <coughs> sorry why do we play video games? And I guess you know my first reaction is <laughs> because they're there and because we are born. Uh, it seems a little bit at odds with like. I think the the mandate of game thing to be like, well, I don't know, why why question it? You know, games are there. Who cares? Why are we even thinking about it so much? Which I think is how uh, a good deal of the world feels about video games. Why get pointy heads about it? Why get so bent out of shape about it? Because they're just they're just fun uh, mind fog, I guess. If you're being uh, in uncharitable, uh, which I I use that phrase because it's stuck with me. I interviewed Peter Molyneux. Uh, <laughs> two days in a row for about, I don't know, I think we spoke for like three, four hours across two days, and uh, he was talking about how TV is mind fog. Just what's what a waste of time. Uh, I think I'm remembering that correctly, and I remember it was like revelatory for him where I was like, oh, well, you know, a lot of people think video games are mind fog. It's just sort of like what what scratches your itch, what's, what, what tricks your pony, right? But I do know, you know, from my many years of... Uh, doing all these interviews, I always sort of ask people at the end, like, well, what do you think video games have accomplished? I mean, Pippin, I asked you this when we met <laughs> originally when I interviewed you. And I don't know if you remember your answer. You can certainly look up your answer. I've already sort of cringing at how self-referential my volleys on this has been. And I'm calling you on an Android phone, by the way, um, in case you've been wondering. So all the cards are on the table here. Uh, you know, and so I ask people, oh, what do you think video games have accomplished? And people typically fall into two camps. They all usually laugh, and then they say, oh, everything, basically. Um, or they say, oh, nothing. And uh, I don't want to deconstruct my own methods and sort of why I ask that question. Um, what I keep thinking about with Game Dev Story is, you know, parody, satire. It's hard to decipher, right, because I... Although we can see through the walls, you know, literally, there's like this odd surveillance way we see everything. You know, the game never really breaks the fourth wall, but obviously by the time you're getting to game toilet, um, it seems like it's not being so subtle. But what I keep thinking of is like, every time I've released a game in Game Dev Story, and if it doesn't get reviewed well, uh, my secretary, who seems to be the oracle of the game world, she tells me, well, not everyone reads game reviews. Maybe it'll still do well. And so I think about this tension between all the importance it places on games, but then how much it's also like, well, you can't really trust anyone else. You sort of have to decide for yourself. So that's why I think we play video games. Friday, the 2nd of December at 4.09 p.m. 
Hi, David. This will be my last message. I did not quite finish Game Dev Story. I made it to year 18 of 20 in my current playthrough uh, with my studio called Attack of the Clones because I had been intending to make uh, clone games. Uh, but then uh, it sounds like, <laughs> just like you, I made games with Game Thing in the title over and over again. Uh, sumo Thing, Dance Thing, etc., uh, etc., et Hunt the Game Thing. Uh, and I released a console called Game Thing. I didn't actually want to release a console because it seems boring to me, but the realization that I could call a console game thing was uh, too tempting not to try. Uh, back in the, the first message uh, from you, you mentioned the whole thing of weird genre combinations that the game has within it, which is actually a really interesting part of the game. I feel like it teaches you to be a little bit afraid of them because they might be failures. Uh, but I did make a weird game called Archidance, uh, which was a motion-based game about architecture, dancing about architecture. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, and it was really successful. So take that, world that doesn't think you can dance about architecture. Um, I'm not sure why it was successful. It was at a time when my company was incredibly successful, so it may have just been the brute force of our, our popularity. Uh, but it went to the Hall of Fame, and it was the runner-up for the grand prize. Thank you very much. Um, and one of the things that I asked about was, of course, again and again, how does the game reflect assumptions about the world? And, you know, it's quite winky about it and cute about it and cartoony about it, but it's still straightforwardly about capitalism uh, and economics, uh, as we've been saying all along. Uh, and as we saw in the last game as well, uh, Sid Meier's colonization, these kind of mega structures of human endeavor uh, where people have kind of turned the things people do into math um, they're just so easy to, to do in games, right? Because they're already computational and procedural. They're just there to be implemented. Uh, so it's not surprising. Uh, and it's also therefore kind of not surprising to me, uh, and you pointed a little bit towards this, that Cairo uh, Games has made a whole bunch of games that are kind of like this. And one of the things I said about Princess Maker Refine was how it would be cool to reskin it into a football game. Uh, and indeed... They have made basketball club story, tennis club story, home run high, pocket league story, boxing gym story. Uh, so, yes, you can do that, and they have done that, and I do want to play those games. Um, one of the things I feel like we didn't touch on so much that is very present when you play this game is the way that it's an engine for storytelling. Um, all games are, but I feel like the game's invitation to title um, the games that you create, the console that you create, uh, is has a surprisingly outsized impact on how it feels to tell stories to yourself about what's happening. Um, and I think that that's important. And I think we probably didn't talk about it because we don't like um, trying to sound clever <laughs> about the things that we've, uh, we've been doing in the game. But it's still important uh, about that game. Uh, I opened at the very start of the season with... Uh, a quote of Baudrillard, which I vaguely regret, but also vaguely not, about the desert of the real. Um, and that idea that video games and other contemporary media represent this exciting escape from how boring uh, and deserty uh, real life is. And I posited uh, back at the beginning that maybe the boringness of simulators, as I thought about it then, might be this kind of escape from uh, the repetitive strain injuries of overexcitement in video games more generally. Uh, that it would be sort of relaxing to go into a boring simulated world and do boring realistic stuff that you maybe didn't get to normally experience, um, like, you know, working in a construction site or uh, being a police officer or uh, 
being a princess's father, boring, boring, boring. Um, and Game Dev Story is almost like a full circle thing, uh, right? It's kind of an escape into a video game that is exactly the situation that we're really in when we put down our phone and walk away, which is this world of labor and consumption uh, with nobody trying very hard uh, to help us to find the joy in all of it. Um, except for that little jumping guy in the background of the Hall of, Fa Hall of Fame uh, game dialogue box. He's trying his hardest, and he's, uh, he's still out there somewhere jumping up and down, David, doing his best. See ya. End of messages. Thank you for calling GameFing. For more information, please hang up and dial GameFing.life. Goodbye.